Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with a filmmaker and an actor, Richard Clarkin and Arturo Perez-Torres, here today on Face to Face to talk about uh, their new film, The Drawer Boy. And um, this, is, uh, this is a Canadian film through and through. It's a, it's a beautiful film. It's, 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 it, 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 it's relational. It's uh, a film based on a play, actually, a fascinating history. It goes all the way back to a group of actors working in the 1970s, uh, moving into Ontario and wanting to tell new stories that um, introduced us to, to a variety of things. And, and, and so uh, we, we, we talk about things like collaboration and collective creation. Uh, how, how beautiful is that? And, and, and this difference between documentary and, and fiction. And we get into things about uh, existentialism and about love and loyalty and friendship. This is about memory and identity. And, and you know, ultimately, uh, this film, The Drawer Boy, is really, uh, it really is a love story. We, 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 we touch on things like PTSD and, and uh, trauma and, and how this can have an impact on who we are and how we behave. So stay tuned for uh, Arturo Perez-Torres and Richard Clarkin, actor in The Drawer Boy, a fascinating film. You're going to want to see it, uh, and hopefully you're, you're going to listen um, to the interview and, and step into uh, a Canadian story that is interesting, that is engaging and quite meaningful on a variety of levels. Uh, stay tuned. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. You can head there. And if you want to get behind the work that I'm doing here at Face to Face, you can do that on patreon.com. You can support that there. And if you can't do that, which I totally understand, if you can't get back behind us financially, I get that. Uh, but if you could leave us a review on iTunes or uh, somewhere out there in the digital realm, I would certainly appreciate it. And I know my listeners would too. So stay tuned and don't forget rabble.ca, a platform that face to face exists on so much other material there, uh, news, uh, commentary, blogs, podcasts, check it out. Coming soon uh, to a theater near you, The Drawer Boy and come 
coming right up. Arturo Perez Torres and Richard Clarkin and the Drawer Boy. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two uh, very special guests here with us today. We actually don't very often get to interview two people at the same time, so I'm kind of looking forward to that as we dive into uh, a new film called The Drawer Boy. Uh, we have Richard Clarkin and Arturo Torres here uh, to to talk to us uh, about the film and about the play and 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 a whole lot of other things. Uh, Richard Arturo, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. So, so who wants to dive in first and just give us a little bit of context? Um, there is a there is a significant history here. Never mind the history of sort of the Canadian uh, angle to all of this and that that Canadiana like uh, history, but but the history around the story, uh, the film, the play. Can can either of you dive in and, and give our listeners a little bit of context? Um, I can dive in, and uh, if I miss something, I'm sure Richard can you bet. correct me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, well, let's just say that everything started in the 70s, in 71, with a play called The Farm Show. So it was kind of an experiment made by a bunch of really creative Canadian theater people that wanted to do um, real-life plays, so plays based on reality. Mm. What that means is that they would go to farm farms and interview farmers and make stories of their lives so not invent stories but just bring their stories on stage and that was um, you know pretty innovative and pretty amazing back in the 70s so you fast forward to the late 90s Michael Healy knew about that event in history in Canadian history and decided to write story inspired by those events so this is now fiction we're in the fiction world, and we have a character going to see farmers to pick up stories, real stories, and make a play out of those stories. And that was a huge success uh, for, uh, again, for Canadian theater. The Door Boy was played in the U.S. and, um, and Canada and translated into, I think, four, la- four uh, languages besides English, so it was huge. And then fast forward to um, two years ago, and it was made into a film by us. And I guess the only thing I would add is that the early 70s um, play, The Farm Show, was spearheaded by uh, a very important figure in uh, Canadian theater, uh, Paul Thompson. Right. And For he sure. was the mastermind behind that, bringing the actors into rural southwest Ontario, and he, in fact... Um, plays himself in in our film right uh and his you know this is changes in the screenplay adaptation paul is not in the original play but in the sort of elaborated version of the film he is in it so so to me there's there's so many questions and so many ways we can take this and i I mean i want to get i want to get a little bit into his head a little bit i think what what motivates somebody Mm -hmm. to 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 head north <laughs> I mean if I'm going to write a play my first inkling I, I've never written a play but I, I, w- I wouldn't think my first thought would be I'm, I'm going to head to Aurelia and, and, and see what I can come up with well he actually headed west which, <laughs> uh, why uh, if we're going to be accurate about the, the area that um, they explored it's southwest Ontario um I guess the Blythe, Rich area, uh, if that means anything. And um, 
Paul was schooled in Europe. He spent time in France working with um, people there who were pushing the envelope mm. in terms of theater making. And there was a conventional way of um, uh, author-based playmaking in Canada where, you know, you did Shakespeare, you did Shaw, you did right. Arthur Miller. And he wanted to devise original theater, and he wanted it to be largely sourced, mined, and created uh, by the actors doing real research and sculpted by him. And uh, they, it's collective creation is what it became hmm. known as. And Paul did a number of these kinds of plays in the 70s, and they broke the mold in the way audiences experience theater. So there's some, so this idea of collective creation, great phrase by the way, and I'm I'm certainly not not familiar with it, but as a sort of a lover of film, I, I'm always kind of marvel and am blown away at this the collaborative nature of of filmmaking, and and how and how many voices you know, um, you know do do fall under the umbrella, I guess, of of a, a director Arturo uh, of a, of a writer, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? That collaborative uh, edge. I mean, maybe, maybe in, with respect to the drawer boy, but just maybe in how you, you know, how you tell stories. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, what draw me to the drawer boy is, again is that the history, right? What, I, what Richard and I've been talking about, especially the origin. That to me, it was um, basically documentary and theater getting together and mm -hmm. having a child. Right, it has right. a lot of nice. uh, documentary elements. <laughs> so um, I come from a documentary background. Uh, this is my first fiction film. I've been making documentaries for 12 years now, or a bit longer than that. So my approach, my I guess my attraction to the to the play and to making a film about the Jorbal was that that um, I wanted to um, to make it into a film because I related to the subject as a documentary filmmaking. Um, I, uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, uh, collaborating with other people, it was to me super interesting to uh, collaborate with actors for the first time. Hmm. I'm used to collaborating with uh, film uh, camera people and right. the DP, smaller crews. So it was pretty much a learning experience to collaborate with a uh, fiction DP, a director of photography with a writer, and, um, and mainly with the actors and even with the extras and all that. It was um, incredible. Richard, I, I, by the way, guys, I just want to say congratulations to on the film. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, Thank you. It's, it's 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 marvelous. It's um, I, can I say it's it's minimalist? Is that is that a fair fair take? But what what I loved about it was the comedic <laughs> tone, with 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 really thoughtful and serious implications. Is is that a is that a fair assessment? Charming charming film, charming story too. By the way, and Richard, you you've got some. I mean, have you ever thought of going on a stand-up tour, Richard? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> uh, I have not. Um, but I, I think that's um, an interesting uh, and absolutely fair uh, take on the movie in that 
it achieves this this charming balance of of humor and um, depth. Mm. It you you could watch the first half of the movie and then kind of be shocked at where it moves to in the second half right. based on what you've seen the first half because first half contains a sort of lightness of tone and establishing of characters and a bit of an uh, absurd um, trio of personalities thrown together um, which really deepens in the second half of the movie and, and moves towards um, tones that you would not have expected. Do so you, I, I think that's yeah. absolutely fair. Do, do you ever do you ever finish a film uh, and um, you know you you see the first cut, you see the first you know festival showing, and and kind of step back and and have that conversation at the back or on the drive home and go, wow, I I didn't think it was going to go there. I didn't I didn't see that before. Or uh, I mean, because to me, I mean, Arturo, you could speak to this as a documentarian. You know, any great documentary, mm-hmm. any great documentary is layered, and there's so much more going on than meets the eye, and and that's what fascinated me about the Drawer Boy, is yes, it's this yeah. this sort of simple story about these this beautiful friendship between these two men, and this tragic sort of friendship, I guess, in a sense, but but there's so much else going on. We're talking about memory yeah. and about fiction and about truth and 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 and, and exactly. make, you know and 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 how it all crosses over and just this crazy beautiful thing we call life that 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 just is happening always <laughs> and all you know what I mean and and that's what I mean I'm getting yeah. goosebumps actually as I think about it because it was such yeah. a, an understated kind of um, um, representation of that I guess uh, as Richard was talking about that. You know, as it sort of the depth of it, as it sort of bubbled to the surface. Anyway, there's maybe not really a question there, but 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 I just yeah, maybe there is. It's that that sense of standing back and going, "Wow, never thought we were going to wind up here." <laughs> I have an opinion, but I'd like to hear your like when you. It's very different for Arturo, who was with it every moment in post production, with different versions of the edit, right. And then mm-hmm. what it eventually came to be, um, but maybe I'd be curious to hear Arturo based on what you were observing in our days on set, and what mm-hmm. you sat down and you saw the material, whether your expectations were met or whether there was surprise or, or how that was for you. Um, I think any time you edit is such a surprise even if you shoot the film or you just edit which i have done both in this case i was editing with aviva the co-director mainly and um, just even though we were there shooting with richard and all the crew and all the cast it was incredible to to see the i guess the possibilities that you can have when you're editing right we didn't have much money, a big budget, so we had a limited amount of scenes to choose from. Mm. But even then, we had seven or ten or each day. We had very long takes, so it was easy to decide between, you know, a long take. We had maybe seven takes of, of that scene. 
Um, yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to say, if to answer the question, is that we were aiming to not make it over com comedic. We didn't want to have a comedy. So there were several shots that were funnier than the others, right. but then when put together, then you would it would start becoming too light and too funny, and so we had to tone it down. And maybe in one place where um, Richard or Stu would make a face or say a, a sentence in a really funny or have a funny reaction, we would cut that, even though it was hilarious, just to kind of like make an even pace of. Uh, of uh, how it's getting serious, especially like what Richard's saying, how it's developing into into a huge drama. When it ends, it starts very light. We had to build that momentum until at the end when it explodes and it's quite dramatic, right? Yeah, I, I, I would only add that in response to stepping back and and seeing what we made. Um, for me, it was, I was on set, I was in the scenes, I was experiencing that, and I had a, a really great time, one of the best mm. times I've ever had as an actor, mm. and then to finally see what ultimately was <clears throat> the movie that would be traveling around to festivals, um, I was <clears throat> I, I was pretty, um, pretty darn pleased. Uh, with the feel of the film, the, the tone of it, the uh, the intent of the film, I think it really holds together as um, very fine piece of storytelling, and I think it's very different from the play, hmm. and it's its own thing, and it it holds. And that's biased because I'm in it, but I'm really proud of it. <laughs> were, you, were Arturo? Were you going for a a sort of a? Hmm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say a um, uh, a deeper sort of existential tone to the film, or did it, it it did it kind of play out that way as you got uh, you know further into the story? And maybe this is more of an editorial question than it is an actual you know yeah. on set kind of a question. Yeah, um, I think for me was um, definitely the themes. I guess you could call them the themes in a more philosophical way. Mm -hmm. And um, co-director Aviva, um, who was great too, um, she was more in the story. So we were kind of like taking different approaches. Like she was enamored of the Jorah Boy more because of the story of friendship. Mm -hmm. and loyalty mm -hmm. and all the things that I would call them the first layer and I was more obsessed with the facts of truth and how do you define truth right. and how does memory affect affect reality and how do we perceive reality and what role of memory plays in our reality and our ad identity so all those questions which I find fascinating are kind of like layered in the drawer boy right mm -hmm. Absolutely. so yeah. we we wanted to, you know, go into that, and um, and I think that was the way we had in mind when we were shooting, like taking care of both, so not make it too simple that would then you would stop and think that this is actually also about memory, and it's also about 
about truth and what does that mean in 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 day-to-day life you know there's a there's a great there's a great moment and there's lots of them but there's a a moment and i think help me out here uh richard but i think you uh, as morgan you're sort of finally coming clean i guess uh, or, or, or close to when you're about coming clean and angus is pretty pissed off at you i think and says something mm-hmm. uh, i think he's walking away you're trying to get him to make a sandwich i think and and he he and his, and his memory is clearly coming back or at least what we think is the, the the you know the memories of the actual situation that occurs and the the truth i guess you could say if you want to call it that and he and he and he looks yeah. at you and says take that i think this is the line if i remember it correctly take that out of the whatever the hell that's called so for me, I mean, I, I kind of laughed out loud because there was this moment of, he, it's actually coming back for him, but he can't remember what an oven's called. And, yeah. and, and it's just like this, like to, to Arturo's point about that fiction and reality and this day-to-day kind of thing we call life and, and how fascinating it is on one hand and how kind of complicated on another. Yeah. Um, Stuart Hughes, the actor who plays Angus, He's he's just incredible in the part. It's an astounding <clears throat> performance, and uh, I, I think he he gains lucidity, mm. which he didn't have. Right, right. And and whatever was there was buried, but not not dead. Right, and right. So, so at the same time as he's gaining sort of the lucidity and ownership of his memory, he's still not able to uh, name and identify certain things. But that's not going to get in his way. That's that's just a uh, a small distraction to him seizing on um, the truth, which is warming its way into into his mind uh, and and um, revelations are are coming at him fast and furious and, and it's a remarkable thing when you think about it mm-hmm. uh, with them, uh, you know to, to actually witness their long buried um, memories really coming back and 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 in a in a very profound in the moment way affecting their worldview so yeah totally yeah i it, totally agree Ar- Ar- um, Arturo, to add to, oh yeah go um i was just going to add to richard's point which is quite interesting that um in the play the two uh, tall girls are not in the play they're not they don't exist they're just mentioned mm. but you never see them the play is just a three-hander right so the decision to have them there it was to have them physically appear in front of angles it was to to make clear that the memories are actually part of our reality right so they right. when he's listening to the story they are showing up in front of him because he saw them at some point and they're in the in his in his memory so right. for him the real and then it gets into really complicated points because he also sees the brides which never happened but therefore for him they're real right so he also sees them 
when he has this um, vision or when he's listening to the story, right? So anyway, um, just to make the point stronger that um, memories were real and are real, and that was a, a very important point to make in the in the movie. For for me, one of the, one of the uh, really important moments for me was you know Richard Wagami said uh, that you know stories stories are meant to heal. And I think what I love mm. is I love seeing the healing for, well, I mean, obviously there's, if there was a part two to this film, there would be, there, there would be more healing, you know, hopefully coming, you know, down the road, coming a little later, if, if, if that makes sense as well, right? There, there's, there's more conversations mm-hmm. these guys are going to be having. There's more revelations. There's more, there's, you know, do you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's yeah. a, yeah. Uh, anyway, Angus says, tell, tell the story so I can find myself in it. And, and I just, when, when he said that, I went, I went immediately to Wagamese's line about stories are meant to heal and how, isn't, isn't this about authenticity? Isn't this about transparency? Isn't this about being real? And, 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 and how do we speak truth into, into, you know, the lives of those people that, uh, uh, you know, exist in our communities, but that matter the most to us? Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because when he says that, um, he's like, I want to match them, right? So the two of them are telling the same story, which also becomes really interesting because it's about reproduction, reproduction of one story. And then it's the second one when it's interpreted, it's that real, which is interesting for documentarians uh, when you make a documentary. You know, when you just for, for the fact of recording something, are you recording reality? Maybe not, because he has a point of view where you pointed the camera to, whatever, right? Maybe you have an agenda, you've got it in sure. a way that it's not real. Are you, are you, are you, Arturo, really are you even, are you actually even getting the truth? Is, the, is this even the real story, right? As a documentary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I find very interesting that in that scene that you're mentioning, um, he demands, I want to hear it so I can find it, tell the story so I can find myself. You both tell it at the same time, you know, and they kind of struggle a bit and then they do it, which is uh, the climax. It's a beautiful written scene and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie, right? What uh, Morgan? You said you're you're. Uh, it's Morgan, Richard. <laughs> Sorry, and Morgan. I clearly, I clearly, I bought, I bought into the character. I, by the way, you, you, you mentioned Stewart's performance. I, I think your performance is brilliant in this film, uh, of for 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 what it's worth, and the dynamic that the three of you create, but the two of you especially. Um, what what do you what do you learn about? Do you learn anything about yourself? Do, you, do I mean I mean I so want to ask you did did is Morgan really a loving and loyal friend uh, even though he's he's maintained this you know this gargantuan lie uh, for for so many years uh, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean I and yeah like there's yeah. so like as as I said earlier there's so many conversations that are still to come between these two friends well he says um, I, I think he is. A, a very loving, loyal friend, um, and and he had his reasons for the fabricate fabrication, um, which which he explains to Angus, uh, and Angus was um, disconsolate, and 
he told him a version of the story that wasn't real, it comforted Angus, and it it, it went from there. And, and uh, you know, uh, without giving it away, Morgan explains his reasons for lying. Uh, but I, I think the movie is, I think it's more than a friendship. I think the movie is a love story on, uh, on an important level um, mm-hmm. because it, it's, um, they were uh, boyhood friends. They were friends as young men. They forged a deeper friendship after they met the uh, two young women in England during the war and and love was something they both felt was going to be part of their story, mm. these women. And so that didn't happen. And as monumentally devastating as that was, I think Morgan did the next best thing he could, right. which was to channel his care and compassion through large feelings of guilt to um, caring for uh, his friend who who he bears a large responsibility for his condition. And and, uh, I I think it's a love story in many ways. Is is there a is there an element? I mean, I I, I think on a, on the surface it's certainly there, but can you talk to me a little bit about PTSD and 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 just trauma? Did that have? Did you guys have any conversations around that, or or was that kind of just lurking in the background? Um, it seemed it seemed to be, it seemed to be pretty present to me. Yeah, I, we never did, and you know, quite frankly, it. it it never occurred to me as a sort of galvanizing thing. I think, I, I think Morgan Morgan wouldn't even know how to identify that. But mm. you do clearly hear him talk about the uh, awfulness of experiencing war and how they just wanted to survive by um, avoiding as much of the calamity and the bombs as possible. Right. Uh, so they were in the thick of what, what you know, we now know would be identified as PTSD. And, um, but it wasn't anything we talked about uh, because I don't think I really don't know that it would have informed any of the choices we made as actors from scene mm. to scene, you know? Well, I think it's, um, a re- it's, a, it's a really interesting comment that you make that Morgan's character probably wouldn't have known how to name it. It's, it's, I've, I've, I've been doing some research into, I've, I've done a lot of work in, in Cambodia over the years as, as a development guy, and there's no actual English translation for 
you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, or even, sorry, Khmer translation for post-traumatic stress disorder. And I remember speaking to a genocide mm. scholar at Rutgers, and, and I made some sort of comparison, and he kind of got annoyed with me, and he said, well, hang on a minute here, you're, you're kind of imposing, you know, this idea. And anyway, as it turns out, the, the, there's, a, there's another word, you know, that's close, but, but, but not representative. And yet, these guys were still suffering from something mm-hmm. akin oh. to it, right? Some sort yeah. of, you know, traumatic uh, events of one kind or another. Yeah. Well, that and that's that's the history of uh, humankind. Right, is, exactly. You know, warfare and, you know, the whatever name we give it right now had to exist for any combatants in war no matter how far back you go because it's um it's a brutal um inhumane experience made me made me reflect a little bit on on the work of um um oh you remember awakenings uh, oliver Sacks, and yes. uh, there, there's a i think it's you who who says to miles because uh, Miles is trying to come to terms with, I guess, Angus's loss of memory and, and, and the fact that he's got to reintroduce himself every time he, or introduce himself every time he sees him again. But you, you say he only knows right now. And, yeah. and, and I know that, mm-hmm. you know, Oliver Sacks, I mean, when he was, as a doctor, he was dealing with people who only, you know, their memory stopped at a certain point, you know, they were tail gunners in an airplane or they were, you know, in a bombing raid or whatever. And their memory stopped on that day. You know, did, did, right. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah. and so, so you, you, you just, just raises questions about, is this, is this a, a defense mechanism for, for, for Angus? Right, and for many, many others, as you say, it's a global problem. Anyway, it just raises some pretty interesting questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Is that the man who mistook his wife for a hat? Is it that is. Exactly? Yeah that that is the book. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, the man yeah that's mistook. the book. Yeah. Yeah, he went on to do some other things as well. Obviously, other other books, but that's that's the one I was actually referring yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonder wonderful mm. read, and my father. Mm. Uh, part of the reason for 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 even bringing it up, and I think part of the reason why I found you know your film. Uh, uh, so compelling and and and, and charming, and uh, because I think I, my dad suffered from Parkinson's disease for many many years, and and uh, uh, every now and then I, I I saw a little bit of of the um, hmm, of of my dad I think in 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 uh, in in Angus, you know, some of those moments. Right. Not not that not that with Parkinson's comes dementia or memory loss necessarily, but neurological disorders are kind of connected, right? And I think that's kind of what uh, how Sachs sort of discovered some of this as well. So I think there were a couple other reasons why the, 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 this film sort of uh, connected with me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, can I? Can we? Can we just take a little bit of a lighter approach now? Just to, we're we're getting pretty sure. deep and pretty pretty, sure. pretty intense here. Um, Richard, I I gotta I gotta say, what's your favorite line? I mean, you had some of the most comedic lines in the film, but I I think my favorite is uh, the lowest producer gets the axe. <laughs> uh, and and just so you know, I'm I'm, I'm stealing that, and I am going to use that uh, the next time I'm involved in some sort of collaborative uh, initiative. Yeah, it's come it's coming out for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good line. Uh, he's got so many. He's got um, some doozies. How about how about put on a raincoat and a welder's mask? I think was the other one. Yeah, <laughs> put on rubber gloves and you know just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one, and. 
I also like when Miles comes in for a sandwich and uh, Morgan is preparing it. Uh, he asks what kind of sandwich, and Morgan says spleen. Beef spleen. <laughs> right. And I don't even know if there's such a thing as a beef spleen sandwich I, or I, if that I, meat would ever be put between two slices of bread, but I, I enjoyed I, saying that. I bet you did, and, and I'm kind of hoping there's no there's no such thing as a beef spleen sandwich. What's the, gar- what's the yeah. garnish for a sandwich like that? Uh, I think just mustard, though. No? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I think I just slapped mustard on it. <laughs> I think I slapped mustard on all those sandwiches, basically, as I recall. <laughs> That's so funny. What, uh, Arturo? What do you, what do you make of a line? You know, as the director, and and obviously in this in the sitting making decisions in the editing room, Miles, you know, uh, had a really interesting line to me as well because it's so connected to your comments earlier about memory and. And identity and, and, and so on but he says something to the effect of I'm here to get your history and then give it back to you is 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 and was that the line yeah yeah when he's trying to uh, persuade him to not kick him out that's right. I think that's kind of like the line that we always try to use in documentary filmmaking right which is now a bit controversial because it's like who are you to give me my history back why don't we give it ourselves our own history back? Sure, you know. Oh, but you're, um, oh, you're talking about sort of this whole appropriation. Uh, uh, exactly. Right. Exactly. Got it. When got you it. go, yes. Right now, it's a bit like, do I want to help you tell your own stories? So I guess back we're talking in the '70s. It was not that. It's not really appropriation because it's the same culture. But I kind of tend to see it from that angle. So. That's what I would say about that uh, line. But if you want a line that I love, it's uh, one that um, he says too, kind of like in the same scene, which is produce or die. Right. But what I like it is because one time when we were shooting, one of the crew took a photograph. He had this fancy iPhone and would take beautiful pictures of cows. And he had one, and we were joking that we would make uh, one of those inspirational cheesy posters to have the cow, and underneath it would say, produce or die. Right, yeah. right, right, <laughs> yes. I'm sure you had a lot of fun with the with the parodies. Uh, Miles' My, My, yeah. is, is question, too, earlier on, and I think he delivers it in a serious way, but what? But something about do, do cows mind being milked continuously? It's just, oh, yeah. That's like the funniest... Yeah. That's just the funniest notion to me, and and that's what's so lovely about this film, and so so wonderfully charming, and the 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 blend of the serious, the existential, the philosophical, the thoughtful with yeah. with, with this comedic edge, that that is compelling yeah. and and really does draw you in. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree, and I also think it's a film that that crosses. A lot of um, I don't know demographics, for lack of a better word, hmm. um, people like yourself, who uh, I'm assuming you know are are you know educated um, individuals uh, who've probably got a university degree or whatever, can enjoy the movie and the, the film played in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island for a week under um, a TIFF 
program. Okay. Uh, and it played at a rep house in Charlottetown, which is my family's from Prince Edward Island. And so a lot of my um, relatives who are tradespeople, farmers, largely rural people, um, they could see this film and really enjoy it as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think it plays to a very broad audience. Um, I think the only people who might not dig it are people who only go to Hollywood uh, superhero tentpole right. productions. Right. Mike, and, Mike, Michael Bay fans are probably not going to like this film. Is that what you're saying? They're Richard? probably not going <laughs> to like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Although he might be described as a minimalist in the context of a lot of today's films. Yeah, well, that's yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty funny that's distinction. True. Yeah, um, you, sadly, we're coming coming close to the end of uh, of our conversation, and and I again, I would just want to say congratulations and thanks to you both for joining me today. But before we go, um, tell me a little bit. Uh, another favorite part of of the film that recurs throughout is this counting of the stars. You organize it into pieces, and then you count. Um, can, Arturo, can you can you talk to me a little bit about that? Uh, I mean, maybe that's something that was you know just in the play, and you you just you carved it out and you stuck it in. But I bet you there's that a is, little more um, intention there. The, there's something that was in the play, and the story behind it is that um, his um, lover would teach him how to count the stars. So it's one of the things that remained with him after he forgot most of uh, mm. of his history. So that has a lot of significance for him, just and it's something that calms him down after the day just to look at the stars and count. He has a great memory for numbers, right? So it's yes. all that it is. He can remember numbers and keep on adding them, and it ties into the memory of, uh, that is not gone, the memory of, of, of the love that he had mm. for, um, mm. for his, well, right. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you. And in the play, it comes back twice. It, it, there's a, in right. the movie, we cut once because it seems a bit too much, but it's more, uh, uh, I guess it's more evident the, the importance of that symbolism in the play mm. than, in the, than in the movie. Well, I I uh, I look forward to seeing it again. Uh, I'm going to be recommending it. Can you tell me where... where people who are listening can actually see the film uh is it is it is it is it available online yet yes it is it's on highball tv it's a streaming uh kind of like netflix but it specializes more in festival films and art films okay highball.tv and it's there everybody can see it now excellent well, thank thanks to you both again for joining me today, and and again, what a what a layered film, what a beautiful film about you know really, I mean on the thank on the you. surface, it's about love, it's about loyalty, it's about friendship, but it's about so so much more than that, and wonderful performances too. Uh, I've been talking to Richard Clarkin and Arturo Torres today about their uh, most recent film, The Drawer Boy. Thank thanks again to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 